Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Soapy Rao Show. Uh, today, I'm joined by someone very special, a person who I can call a friend, uh, who I met recently. We got chatting and that resulted in very, very heavy phone bills. But no, not really because we <laughs> used WhatsApp, so it was free. <laughs> but uh, she's an amazing person. We got chatting about a lot of things from her life to my life, from disability rights to inclusi inclusion, inclusivity, I was going to say. And of course, she's uh, Lauren Friedman, the host of The Uninvisible Pod, a very important and interesting podcast for the times we live in. So, Lauren, welcome to the Soapy Rao Show. Thank you so much for joining me. To be having another one of our, our deep chats, uh, <laughs> deep cuts from our conversation. So um, yeah. I'm very excited to get into it with you. Amazing. Now, I'm so glad that uh, things are possible in these times where people are reaching out beyond their geographies. You know, what, what I've noticed is one way if you are only sort of getting your life feed from social media, you feel that everyone's in these little clusters hating on each other. But if you actually <laughs> just sort of, you know, switch off social media for a minute or so, <laughs> that's all it takes. You realize yeah. that there is a world out there and there are people who are willing and who want to reach and connect and communicate and share ideas across the globe. And I think when people said globalization and its true power, this is it. So sadly, while there is an entire world of turmoil and uh, being split on either end of the spectrum when it comes to uh, politics or identity, um, there are a few of us slipping within the cracks. I don't think they anticipated that. <laughs> I think that's true. It's it's the the real change happens underneath all of those layers, doesn't it? Yeah. You know? And that's what we're doing. You know, I, I to start with, I want to talk about your podcast, but I really like the name Uninvisible Pod. But before we get to that particular thing, I want to find out how you are and how your life, um, you know, how did you get to where you are, your story about why you did the podcast and do the podcast and I think maybe just to start with, how has is, how is the lockdown changed your life as an American with uh, your condition over the past um, year or so? Because the reason I ask as an American is because, you know, in, in India, we are kind of used to some amount of chaos um, mm. because of our numbers, because of the population. So, of course, the, the lockdown, COVID and the pandemic did shake things up. And sadly, a lot of people were affected. A lot of people lost their lives. But I feel because of the kind of life we live in India, we are always anticipating something. But I feel being in America, living there for a few years, there's a lot more importance given to process and, and kind of a, life goes on without thinking too much. But this really- I'm glad you a, think so. <laughs> <laughs> at least it seems like that from the outside, you know, yeah. uh, like you can go get your coffee at Starbucks, you can go do, I mean, it's mm -hmm. happening here now, the change in India, but it's very predictable in some ways, right? You go to the grocery store, there's a lot of abundance and there's a lot of stuff which is available on call. But that was at its core, if you want to call that its core, uh, shaken up. So how how was that for you? It's been strange times, that's for sure. Um, I have to say, in many ways, this has been a time of emotional expansion, because mm. there's been so much space for mm. so many of us to look into ourselves, right? So there's been an opportunity in all of that. Um, and not only to look into ourselves from the perspective of having space and figuring 
our, can I curse on the show? Figuring our shit out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like a sailor. <laughs> oh, excellent. Oh, great. I knew I was in good company. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so there, there hasn't only been that opportunity, but also it's in the wake of this massive tragedy. So it's this mm. very weird traumatic time that I think so many of us are living through. And I'll say from my perspective, it's been really frightening because mm. I have an autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a bunch of different diagnoses but that's the one that's most relevant to the COVID pandemic and what okay. makes me more high risk, right? Because um, of your your situation and the vulnerability of your system to external attack, right? Exactly that. So my immune system is already attacking itself. I don't need the help mm. of a pathogen like COVID-19, right? right. So um, I'm, I'm high risk for that reason, but in a very interesting high risk category, because it's one that has been completely forgotten by the powers that be in many ways, because we hear about high risk groups that are getting offered vaccinations first or being yeah. told to mask more, social distance more. Um, and it's autoimmune patients are very rarely included in that conversation. It's either people mm. who are actively on chemotherapy, which often includes uh, autoimmune patients um, for cancer though, mm. is really the indication or, um, you know, people who are over 65. Now I'm under 65 um, mm. and I have an autoimmune condition. So already my immune system is under attack in some way because mm my body has reacted to the environment around me combined with my genetics and my lifestyle to kind of, you know, decide from within to mutiny. Um, So what is your condition? I mean, what is the, what is it? How does it manifest if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, happy to to answer that question. So um, the autoimmune disease I have is called Hashimoto's disease or mm. uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Yeah. And this is an autoimmune disease that affects the thyroid, which is a tiny little gland in your neck, butterfly-shaped gland. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would be surprised how many hormones and systems in the body this gland actually has an effect on. And when it malfunctions, when the body recognizes it as foreign tissue and attacks it, wow. um, which right. is what happens in my case... Um, it's, it's essentially stripping me of all the hormones that the thyroid would be producing, creating an underactive thyroid or hypothyroidism. Mm. And so I have to, for probably the rest of my life, be on a thyroid replacement hormone, which is luckily very easy to access. Um, I would say that uh, a good 75% of people just spitballing on the number here who get diagnosed with this particular condition Mm -hmm. are prescribed a, a pharmaceutical and they're fine. I was in this smaller group that uh, was diagnosed and took a while to be diagnosed, which is a whole story in and of itself. Mm. Um, And it took me years to get better. Um, And better is a relative term at this point, right? So um, it it introduced me to an entire new world. It brought me into the world of chronic illness and disability. It led to me creating my podcast. um, And it gave me a a really different perspective on the medical institutions that that are active in my home country of the US, Mm. um, as well as in many other parts of the world. Um, Yeah, you know, I I wanna talk about that because it's clearly something which is spreading, um, Mm. you know. No, but you know, it's amazing how you mentioned this and it's across the board with the human body and mind is when something isn't working, that's when you realize how much it does. And, um, you know, maybe that's sort of a point which reflects in, in, in things as well when, when people are just sort of mindlessly saying, yeah, you know, everything's fine. But when like a, a pandemic, which of course is a pretty big, um, you know, thing going against the fine, um, people are like, whoa, wait a second, there's a world like, you know, they kind of, 
it i feel okay the point i'm trying to get to is you certain uh, have certain indicators certain wake up calls certain things that go hey there's something wrong Mm. with the way you're doing things whether on an individual level if you if it's your lifestyle if it's your diet if it's your if it's the way you're thinking there are things that you know pop up whether it's anxiety which tells you hey you may be uh, you may be pushing too hard or if you're excessively eating or drinking you physically the body reacts and on a larger social scale you know you've been mindless consumers we've been mindless sort of chasing money and the material we've been exploiting and just sort of not being nice to each other i'm saying nice on a very fundamental level like at any cost trying to get the upper hand and maybe uh we need and clearly we had something wrong when you need such a big wake up call to realize that there's something you're wrong you know there's so much in what you're talking about there i mean at very base level i think it's patriarchy and capitalism right like these are the the and white supremacy in in my part of the world right you know yeah. where there are these and at certain points in history in your part of the world too you know where there yeah. are these these larger structural um, and systemic narratives that have been mm. shaping us culturally. And um, I think that that a lot of that is at the base of the lifestyle choices that we've made and, mm. um, and also our reaction to this pandemic, right. And, mm. and our various political systems and how they have reacted and, and sort of absorbed the message of this global pandemic too. But um, I, I really uh, have have come to believe that those of us who are diagnosed with autoimmune disease specifically, which which quite literally means a disease in which your immune system starts to attack some other part of your body, an organ, yeah. a, a system. Um, it includes things like MS, uh, multiple sclerosis, yeah. psoriasis, eczema, um, but it also includes lupus, and it includes. I mean, it it, it spans a wide breadth of diagnoses, and we're seeing these diagnoses on the rise massively, um, especially in the right. last 20 years. And so I believe that, that we're the canaries in the coal mine. That's right. what so it you, is. You see the increase you say, right? I mean, I, I this, this, this so much, um, when it comes to, you know, that this conversation is just, it, it's got so many things, which I want to talk about that. The, the, the <laughs> this is what happens with us. <laughs> yeah. No, what I, what I want to get is, you know, okay, let's just talk about, you know, two things you mentioned. One is the capitalist and the white supremacy these angles you know there's this thing i feel as a as an outsider as a as, as a spectator is you know again indians uh, and i speak as an indian is i hear a lot of people appropriating american culture and that's been a part of us for years whether it's you know i want a can of coke or i want a burger i want a sandwich or i want to watch you know friends or whatever the shows have been from hollywood to to the cultural stuff that we really sort of aspire to to adopt which is not always healthy but you know what happens um you know when you look at american sort of dialogue right now it's very sort of violent in its nature when it comes to them versus us right if the blacks uh feel that they are it's time for them to get some sense of justice of course you know i'm not saying any of this is right or wrong but i just get a sense of this um there seems to be a lot more of um this religion or that religion, right? Like the, the Islam or it's Christianity. Like the, the idea of America being a melting pot for all of uh, <laughs> different kinds of rich ideas, different kinds of rich people mm. when it comes to their rich heritage or whatever it may be. Yeah, maybe of course the white uh, predominant culture uh, did dictate terms of how people should live. But from when I lived there in 2003 to four, I'm not saying it was all right, but I'm saying my experience there to what I'm sensing now is a lot more anger it's almost like a country that had its 
um, you know, had its time to sort of get things right, but it just sort of led to this damage, which seems, I wouldn't say irreparable, but it just seems like if you want to use it as a, a, a like that analogy of a family, it's like this family, which was really, really w well to do, really, really sort of from the outside seemed like a great family to aspire to be. But clearly there were some major problems which they didn't work on. And as a result, now they're just this torn family that hates each other. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? it just we're looks a like totally that. dysfunctional family yeah, and, and, it, and a blended family and one that refuses to understand one another and intergener yeah. intergenerationally as well as, you know, interculturally in many ways too. And I, yeah. I think this uh, this idea of the American dream and the melting pot that that people have always seen America as mm. is something that we are seeing through now um, in the yeah. sense that that the veil's been lifted. We're um, beginning to see more obviously for mm. those of us who perhaps have not been in the know, like I'm someone who's lived with white privilege my entire life. Right. And as such, I was not nearly as aware of the depth of racial racial disparity and internalized racism that, you know, I carry and that people that I affiliate with also carry, you know, mm. um, and that learning curve has been very steep, especially over the last few years. But I think a lot of it is um, because we are reacting to these systems. Finally, it's sort of mm. reached a boiling point and you wonder why so many of us are getting sick, you know, um, yeah. because there's so much additional stress. And then we have globalized stress when it comes to things like this pandemic um, and some of the horrific events that have happened even over the last month mm. between, you know, um, the Taliban taking over in Afghanistan and the taking earthquake in Haiti. <laughs> people, yeah, people yeah, say it like, back, yes, you're right. You're like right. They came from, they, oh, they came from China and took over. <laughs> no, 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 they no they're taking back. Yeah. So like, you <laughs> yeah. know, with them seizing power. Right. And yeah, so I mean, that happening crazy. in Afghanistan and the, the earthquakes in Haiti. I mean, I remember there was like one week, only a few weeks ago where it was like Haiti, Afghanistan, and then yeah. the abortion ban in Texas. And I was done. I was numb. It was, was like, they call it this initiation. When I went to university in, in the UK, uh, they had the first week called Hell Week, like initiation week, where you have to do like 30 activities. So it's pretty much Hell Week yeah. on Earth. <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. terrible. No, but you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to say something which might not be popular sentiment. But this thing you mentioned about white privilege, right? I don't see it as a bad thing entirely. Let me explain why. Because Privilege in itself, people are using it like it's it's a curse, right? Like you have privilege. I think something, some sadly or unfortunately, whatever it may be, privilege is something you're born with, right? You're born into a certain society, into a certain group, into a certain whatever race you want to call it. It's what you do with it, I think, is more important. And when you say white privilege, um, I think a lot of people use it as um, something to lean on when their argument isn't strong, right? Like what, what I'm saying is instead of figuring out their stuff, they point at white privilege or in India, maybe whatever, whatever the word is. I'm saying it's not always bad because there are a lot of white people across the world who might have used that privilege to do so much good for people, right? Like say for instance, mm. like Mother Teresa, she was a white woman who came to India and yes, was she white privilege? I don't know. I didn't ever, I mean, never met her parents or her, she's a little older than me. And, but she's Just done so much with it, right? Like uh, I'm not saying, of course, people that, but she was a Christian, tried to convert people. I'm like, dude, you'll always find something. But my point is there are so many people who either explored, they've found people, they've, they've helped people. So I think we shouldn't take away from that is what I'm, I'm getting at. And 
that also leads to this point of the stress and the illness and the sickness in the world. And of course, across the board, across India, across America, now you have people who are stressed, who are at a younger age, developing chronic illness, developing massive stress-related issues, depression, anxiety. And this leads me to that point, which comes back to white privilege, which people now are using different terms, different things to sort of, you know, I, okay, this, this is the thing which gets a little confusing for me when I feel this is a sense, and I'm not saying that I'm right and my disability or my eye condition is more of a problem in society, but I feel when, when there's so much of this thing where people are so scared and they're so confused with what they've been told, there's this inherent thing to one is to blame one group or the infrastructure or the establishment. The other thing is to almost say, but look at me, I'm I'm struggling, right? And this could be across the board. And again, nothing's right or wrong. But you get the sense that more and more people, because you host this podcast, of course, a lot of people there are genuinely overcoming a lot on a daily basis just to live um, a healthy and, as you said, relatively better life. But I'm sure you've heard these narratives where a lot of people for, at the drop of a hat feel offended, feel like they're the victims. Do you get a sense of that? No, not among the people I speak to, which is kind okay. of interesting. Yeah. Um, because I think a lot of that is relative too. You know, yeah. I think you have to look at um, individual experiences through a cultural lens. Mm. And um, I, I agree with the point you make, you know, that, that um, white privilege, the idea of white privilege does not inherently mean that every white person is a bad person. That's, yeah. I don't think that's the idea that's being espoused here, especially in a lot of what we've been experiencing here in the States with um, Black Lives Matter protests, particularly mm -hmm. over the last year after the death of, um, or murder, I should say, of George Floyd. Yeah. Um, but uh, a lot of it is understanding that the, the system that we set ourselves up with is failing mm -hmm. us. It has been failing yeah. us from the beginning. It's been working for one group of people um, and they're not mm. even the majority. So um, that this, this structure, which includes capitalism, white supremacy, the patriarchy, mm -hmm. right? That that's failing us and we're getting sick. We're getting angry. We're more divided than ever. Yeah. Um, and that these divisions are fueled, of course, more and more by those who recognize that the more far we are apart, the easier it is to tear us all down. Yeah. So it's the undermining it's a of democracy. kind of sentiment, you know? Absolutely. And yeah. I, I, I truly believe that it's very much the ethos of the conservative right here in, in the US. And it's something okay. that has been continually espoused by our former president, whose name shall not be mentioned, um, because in my mind, it <laughs> doesn't Frumpy. deserve more airtime. <laughs> Mr. Frumpy, um, the, uh, the dumpster fire himself. Um, but, uh, you know, I think... So I'm assuming you're a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> really? Are you? I mean, honestly, my political beliefs, I, I would say, are even further left of, of dead the Democratic Party. They're much yeah. more... Uh, you know, along the lines of the Green Party or... Okay. Um, because clearly know, from what I can tell, or something. Uh, the Democrats aren't really having a good time right now either. They're not. I mean, yeah. I, I actually would align myself more with um, 
with democratic socialism, which is another okay, one so that people get very confused about. <laughs> okay, right, right. I'm even further left. But saying that, I also recognize that I benefit from so many different systems yeah. um, that that should a democratic socialist socialist model come into play politically here in this country, um, I'd probably be pretty pissed about some shit. Um, yeah, of course. You know, I don't think any system is perfect. Period. I don't think anything is I don't meant either. When you but have I do more than democracy. one person or four people, or maybe even one person and two people in a room, they're going to have something which is not going to work for them. So, and I don't even think if you ask A in our and individual in America, what is the perfect thing for you? I don't think anyone knows. I don't think any human knows that in that much certainty. So that's where the scope for exploitation and the scope for like uncertainty comes, which is great because you as a person, I as a person are changing every day. And if we are more rigid with and rigid with the way we look at that and more rigid to the idea of change, I think we become more and more stagnant. And I think that's what's happened is people uh, across the globe, of course, I'm not pointing at America in this case, but the fact that people... Please do. Would, <laughs> no, the, the conversation is always, it's always the same, right? Like if you if I talk to my cousins, I talk to family, whatever in America, or people, it's, it's, it, it just sounded like it's getting stagnant, like a country with so much um, potential, which also have show, have showcased, is just using it for the wrong things. It's the same thing. You see the gun violence, you hear the same story of like, oh, guns, I mean, do something about it, guys. You're, you, you, you really have that much power within your society. I mean, you claim to be the most powerful country to the rest of the world. Why don't you show that within your country is what I get a sense of, right? You have healthcare, you have the best doctors, then give it for free. <laughs> I mean, set by yeah. example, give it for free. Don't point saying Iraq needs healthcare. I mean, fucking sort out your healthcare, <laughs> right? It just sounds I stupid. Agree. Yeah, yeah, I mean, our healthcare system is like that. That is a disaster in and of itself. But oh my god, I, I, I ran away when I saw my medical bill. I'm like, are you oh, crazy for an ultrasound? <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely shocking, and, yeah. and that's. I mean, it is a symptom of capitalism. You know, like yeah. That, I mean, when that, doctors are so good, and you have the best equipment, the best technology companies making that equipment, but then you have these idiots like lawyers and insurance companies ruining it. There's clearly something wrong with the system. You know. I think a lot of it comes down to individualism, that at the root of American democracy yeah. is this idea that we all have a right to, you know, the pursuit of happiness and and that we are encouraged to be very individual. And I think while that which individualism I think is nothing is wrong with Lauren, you know, I really there's don't think nothing there's wrong with it, which makes but I think each what's individual happened, unique, but it's the it, parameters it's that wonderful. set. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. It's such a lovely idea. But what's yeah. happened is that people have decided that because individualism is is such a core value in this country, somehow it's gotten um, butchered in like, or like lost in translation over the last generation or so, where people yeah. have gotten to the point where they've decided that anything that they think has got to be better than what anyone else thinks. And that's where the problems happen. And I think that's the idea, right? The pursuit of happiness is a collective sense, which is we can make sure that all of us yes. have eat enough to eat enough to think. But I think the problem with America, and I see this in India right now as well, uh, with my perfect 2020 vision, is this pursuit of my <laughs> happiness, pursuit of my needs, pursuit of my, yeah. it's become, and, and, and as I said, and as you mentioned, individual is a great thing because we're all unique and we contribute to a larger sense of a better world. But if we always say it's my money, it's my house, it's my better car, it's my job, it's my appraisal, then you're, they're all collectively fucked. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I think yeah. there has to be, you've got to split the difference. It's somewhere in the middle where we can have a little bit of profit and a little bit of that's mine, but also yeah, a little nice bit of like, it. let's be contributing back to the communities that we're a part of. And what's so fascinating yeah. is that the people that I speak to day in and day out in the work that I do 
which is particular to the chronic illness and disability community, are people who go through adverse experiences Mm -hmm. and then decide to turn their pain into an opportunity and give back to the community. It is unbelievable. People like it is that unbelievable. But the fact that so many of them are doing it, I'm not yeah. having every single one of them on my show. I don't have enough time in the world to do that. I'm you sure know? I was there looking are so and you many get a people who are lot of it. people, a lot of episodes out. So you probably yeah. get a better sense than, you know, I, I had the privilege of interviewing people for the Life Gone Wrong podcast. And that's where you and I were supposed to have our chat. But thanks, Spotify, you know. <laughs> <laughs> who needs them? <laughs> yeah, who needs them? Exactly. I mean, it was great that we continued talking and you get a sense and I don't generalize, but there is a large percentage of people in some way or the other, whether it's physically contributing, volunteering, or in some shape or form, there's a large people giving more back in the disabled community, because I think they get the sense that, you know what, we're all just in this sort of life. We've been thrown all these things at us. I mean, a lot of these things have been thrown at us. We've been thrown into things which we didn't ask for. But there's no point sitting and going, it's their fault, therefore we must complain. But let's let's do something which can make this experience or for the similar experience of someone with my condition a little easier. Like if I, if I, have, if I know mm-hmm. someone who's got macular degeneration or Stargardt's disease, I'm like, here are three, four tips that make things just that much easier a little bit and for you through your podcast sharing these ideas sharing stories of chronic illness and just sharing your story you've made it easier and if that for, for the next person who comes along with a similar condition which i think is beautiful it's not like massive change that lauren went and you know created a country just for disabled people which is not even realistic <laughs> but i think this is amazing what you're doing i mean i am thinking of buying an island when i when i win the lotto right so that we can escape the regime that would be awesome <laughs> We yeah. keep experiencing over here, but that yeah. aside, I'll invite you. Don't worry. Um, uh, <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> that aside, um, I, I really do think it's kind of amazing and it, what makes this community so beautiful. I mean, absolutely. There are people in this community who, who get involved in what a good friend of mine likes to call symptom porn, where yeah. they, you know, like this idea of symptom porn, there are definitely going to be individuals yeah. who want to find a space where that's an echo chamber where they can shout about what they're upset about. And like, that's fine. If that's what you need, it's out there for you. But yeah, there's also another group of people who are in the disability community or people who move from one group to the other sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, who are in it to make waves who are in it to create mm-hmm. change because they don't want someone to have to go through what they've been through. And I think a lot of that is it's because there are not a lot of there's not a lot of visibility and there are not a lot of rights that are really protecting um, disabled people, whether that's inside the medical system or in the greater world, right? Um, So bringing awareness is really important. And the whole reason that I use the term uninvisible, right, for the podcast is because yeah. I was dealing with an invisible diagnosis. You wouldn't look at me and go, she's got an autoimmune disease. She's high and people risk want that, you know, people want a visual cue of And that's their problem. It's the, I mean, I'm saying, mine. yeah, you know, people have said, you don't look blind or visually impaired. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, Fuck stop you. Doing? Like, what does yeah. blind look like? You know, <laughs> exactly. like, I hate when people do that. This kind of generalization yeah. is, um, but does I mean, it come I even from had a people... sense of being told and being educated in that way? I mean, do you, do you blame them or do you think that they can make a little bit more of an effort in today's day and age with information out there. 
I, I think we need more information on everything, but that's what's yeah. so great about digital media and like social media, right? Is that there are those of us like you and I who are out there having conversations that some other people aren't having or that yeah. they're not having enough or they're not screaming loud enough about. And also mm. understanding that those conversations have to be intersectional. I think that's a really key part of the conversation because, you know, while my focus is on invisible and chronic illness and disability and that identity, it's also about where do the other markers of my identity or, or parts of my identity that I recognize to be true for me and perhaps for others who are looking at my body and my mm. person, you know, where do those intersect with this chronic illness identity or this disability identity? Is it my mm. sexuality? Is it my gender? Is it my race? Is it my religion? You know, is it the way I was raised? Is it my economic background? So all of these different markers that can also be attributed to how we see ourselves in the world and then yeah. being able to practice activism, even in some small way by sharing our stories so that other people know they're not alone so that other mm. people can see themselves reflected in these stories and that's what creates community, you know, and, and that is where we shift the focus. Mm. Interestingly, using individual stories, we shift the focus from individuals to a greater community. And that's what I think is really exciting. No, it's really well said. I, I, you know, I think there are two things I'd like to talk about. I think you mentioned this identity thing. And mm. I think what sadly happens, and when I mean, um, sadly, I mean, in isolation, people look at an activist as just the vegan or the animal rights and great that's the work they really want to show uh, light on and get certain wrongs addressed in that space i understand but people tend to then forget that that person has an entire ninety-nine thousand other things <laughs> that go into making him or her or them or whatever yeah. the pronoun uh, i i'm really not in sync with it right now but um I don't, well but, you you used all of the pronouns there i think i just say i just say person <laughs> i don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with person we're yet. all humans that's all yeah. we've are got we, i don't know i think that might change soon <laughs> yeah that might also change soon yeah. we're working on it <laughs> yeah uh but i i feel people and i feel I, I feel sometimes even the activists themselves just take themselves so seriously with the cause that they forget that you know you aren't, I mean, you are a vegan because you eat vegan food, but there are so many other things that go into making you, you, you you're scared of birds, you, you, you like eating um, <laughs> with cutlery, you, might, you, like, you, you like taking naps, there's so many things that go into making you, you know, and that's all leads into my other thing, which I have a problem with is when you say um, with the digital era where people can access information, why would people want, why would a normal, so-called normal gal want to be like, I want to listen about disability because it, the, the thing for them, and I, I don't want to speak on their behalf, but I think I can because it's my podcast, <laughs> you know, uh, yep. what, what I feel is unless something is glorified on Netflix, like a blind guy wins a race or a lady with a chronic illness goes and becomes a single mom or goes and becomes a CEO, once it's made dramatic, people are like, oh, I, I think that story about disability is great. But what I love about your podcast is it's real conversations. It's about all aspects of the person's life. It's the ups, it's the downs, it's not the exaggerated wins. It's not only being celebrated, but it's just about living and taking away from what people can teach by just living. But but do you think that there are, slowly people will be interested in that? And just from your listeners, what is the mm -hmm. kind of approach to that nowadays? Um, yeah, so much in that. Uh, I Sorry, think... I just talk a lot. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Um, I, I'm I'm going to try to remember all of that and answer all of your questions all at once. But um, I, I think uh, that the big thing here is, 
yeah, this idea of all of the things that make us who we are. Right. And, Mm. um, if, why, why would someone who is not disabled listen to my show? I'll tell you why, because mm-hmm. one day they will need to use the medical system in a similar way to someone mm. who is relying on it, uh, who's perhaps younger than them, or they know someone, you know, why would you listen to a show about MS? Well, because you probably know someone with MS or maybe you've got a genetic risk factor for MS right. or whatever it is. Right. So, and, and I believe that like, this is the idea of the ripple effect, right? Like if one person is like, this is relevant to me, they'll tell the next person and that person will tell the next person and, and hopefully it, it ripples out. And yeah. um, I think we also have to understand how fragile we are. I think part of the concept with the, the show is not to, encourage us to live in, in fear and, Mm. you know, um, worry about getting diagnosed with something, but the point is we're all going to die somehow. We're all going to get sick and die somehow. Um, and I think it's understanding that, um, there are those of us who perhaps have greater need of things like the medical system right now, and that we have to have a stake in trying to improve things for everyone. There needs to be more dignity, I think, for starters across the board, across countries in the health system, right? You need more dignity. That's one thing we can have, right? We might not have the best medical system, but dignity in treating lives, I think is something which is very important. So important. And and I think understanding that like, I I don't want to sound like a downer when I say this, because I don't mean it as a down thing, but that you know, our mortality is around the corner. It's around the corner of course, all the time. It's the most, it's the only certain thing in life. <laughs> it's the, yeah, that and taxes, right? Death and taxes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and which ties us back to capitalism, um, but you know, and community actually. But yeah. I think the thing about that is that since that is such a certainty, um, rather than trying to cheat it, what we yeah. need to do is try to live our lives as well as we can. And if we're finding that there are numerous environmental factors that are lifestyle factors yeah. that are beginning to influence a large group of people. Now, interestingly, when it comes to autoimmune disease, because this is the thing that I'm particularly obsessed with, yeah. 80% of people who live with autoimmune disease are women or identify as female. And um, that being the case, to me, what that shows is mm. how wrong the patriarchy is in dictating lifestyle right. because 80% of the people- So why do they break out? Why do these uh, things, um, I mean, not these things, why do these disorders occur in the first place? Is it-, is it... We don't know. Okay. Uh, what, what we do uh, think mm-hmm. is that um, it's a combination of lifestyle, environment, and genetic predisposition. Um, okay. And that any- you know, certain percentage of these three factors can contribute in some way to a diagnosis happening. Now, nobody else in my family, as far as I know, has this same autoimmune disease that I have. Um, But there are other people in my family who have thyroid disorders, right? Not the same one, but sort of similar. And there are other autoimmune diseases, perhaps Mm. in the family, but not necessarily this particular one. So there's potentially a genetic factor at play there for me. I grew up in the 80s thinking pasta was a complete meal and eating takeout a lot. And, you mm. know, so certainly my lifestyle influenced um, the the occurrence of inflammation in my body, which eventually led to this diagnosis. But I also yeah. think the biggest factor here is stress. And we're all dealing constantly with psychic stress, with emotional stress. This pandemic, it's causing more trauma for us than I think we're willing to accept 
um, in many ways. You know, I feel it's it's because you're forced to look at your situation that you, I mean, not you, I'm saying generally people are feeling, oh my God, you know, I have to actually sit with my emotions and what I'm feeling for a change. Otherwise I'm like, you know what? I need to go to work. I need to catch an Uber. I need to go to the office. I need to worry about my meetings. I need to get my, so all that, that, that cluster, that clutter, that distraction suddenly is like, wait a second. Wait, 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 you want me to think about what, about what, what I'm feeling? <laughs> I'm not comfortable with that, but hey, you better do that for 20 months. And that's what I think has resulted okay. in this, which I think needed to be done many, many years back for a lot of us, you know? I, I also think a lot of that, what happens in this rat race is that we lose connection with our bodies. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, for me, it was the happens, biggest wake up call 2020. You know, I was just mindlessly getting hammered in the name of doing comedy nights, comedy shows, just going out there. The conversations are all about outcome, why I'm not on Netflix, why someone else is on Netflix, as opposed to doing comedy because I love making people laugh and I love the sound of laughter and I love the fact that what I have to say is funny. Hmm, that never became, that became yeah. like the, the least most important reason I went out. And I was like, if this is the thing, then there's something clearly wrong with the people I'm hanging out with, the shows I'm doing, or reason why I'm doing these shows. And the reason why I'm even calling myself a so-called calling myself a comedian so that you are thing, a comedian yeah i am <laughs> but you so know called? <laughs> yeah. i mean then again right you get so caught up with a comedian should have 10 things they should have a netflix special they should have an agent they should have a manager they should have at least ten thousand people at each show as opposed to what should a comedian essentially and fundamentally be funny <laughs> you forget about that you know sometimes yeah and, and, and I know, think there's been this return to joy in all yeah, of that too, yeah. right? Like people are leaving corporate jobs at record rates because mm. people have started realizing that they need to give a shit about themselves more and not be working yeah, that's for really someone sad. else's dream. That in America, yeah. you know, someone told me this, that I have to have a job. Otherwise, what about my health insurance? I'm like, you're working literally yeah. to stay alive in case something goes wrong. That's yes. how fucked up is you're that? You're working yourself to death in order yeah. to stay alive. Exactly. Yeah. It's such a that's catch twenty. Even better put. That's even better put because that's literally what the job is doing to you. You're getting stressed because of work yeah. or because someone at work is making more money or has a better car. Uh, but you have to keep that job because in case you fall ill, which you are falling ill because of that stress. I mean, yeah. it's, it's quite um, beautiful in its intricacy, if you, if I may say I, so. Yeah, myself. but it's also like we've been duped. Like it's intricate. It's a total lie, right? Yeah. yeah. It's such a lie, you know, that, that I mean, it's interesting. I was watching a, a video that um, someone I follow on Instagram made the other day that was basically like, money's not real, that we've put an arbitrary value on this paper shit. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. If you decided this wasn't worth anything, you could cut it up. You could toss it out. It wouldn't matter. And that we've and chosen you most likely to wouldn't touch it because it's dirty. <laughs> right. And so that we've chosen to put value on arbitrary concepts in many ways, right? Like this yeah. is like the very meta part of the conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But what I mean, if you this... ask someone like Chappelle, he'd be like, you're putting value on white faces because that's yeah, what also true. And like yeah. we can't even get Harriet Tubman on on a piece of currency, you know? Like, mm. and I think it's it's that the pandemic. This is where the pandemic has been an opportunity. It has been an absolute tragedy, mm. but it has been an opportunity for us to look within and realize where there's room for improvement. Yeah. And I think the thing that a lot of people are coming to is that where there's room for improvement is in increasing joy and in reconnecting to self and reconnecting self to 
the world, mm. whether that means travel for some or more vacation time for others or starting your own business because you've got a passion that you've never pursued. And mm. I think we're also realizing that life is short and that we need to do the things that we're passionate about and not sit on our projects and ideas and wait on them that like now is the time to act because there never is a right time to do anything. You're never yeah. going to be ready. And there's always no point planning all the time because what are you planning for, right? Right. Because there could be an earthquake tomorrow. Yeah. You know, we have these massive fires here in California that are wiping out. Man, I mean, crazy. Huge I saw something about a massive sequoia. I think the oldest yeah. or the biggest sequoia being covered in aluminum. And I think, uh, for, I don't know what happened after, but no, they're trying I think to save them. They're trying to save them. No, I think what beautiful about it is people are doing this, what you said. I think one step further is there's some people who are saying, you know what, I want to actually look at the self and how it was told to me that a self should be, which is all these checkboxes, all these parameters to live for others, to live for outcome achievement, and to be a perfect model of society where people are like, look at him, look at her, how they worked and got all the things. They did a good job at school. They got a university degree. They got a PhD. They got a job. They got a wife. They got a husband. They got a family. They have This the right person kids. is much more successful than me. I don't Sorry? like this person right now. It's much more yeah, successful you know, than me. <laughs> that seems the case, but... Yeah. Uh, that person suddenly then has done everything that society or whatever the, the the voice of society, whether it's family or whether it's whoever it may be, right? The mentors or maybe the institutions. Um, and that's a weird thing. None of these things, corporations, none of these things like, uh, uh, like the family itself doesn't have an official voice. These are all individuals who co collectively make this larger voice, which is not really the voice of an individual, tells this person, get all these things. And suddenly that person wakes up after retirement at 60 going, I haven't lived, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I get the sense that people are also doing that where they're like, why am I doing this? And while it may be the passion and they have opportunities to pursue it and say, you know what, screw this nine to five, whatever the, um, the, the, the case may be, I'm going to do it. But I think at least from what I feel has happened to me, there's this larger question of why do I want to do what I'm doing or why do I want to do what I want to do? And I think that is a beautiful place to be because as individuals more and more feel that I think collectively the curiosity will be why are we doing any of these things why are we eating 10 meals a day why are we just you know consuming crap uh, or putting out crap there so I, I hope mm -hmm. that you know and I think conversations like what you're having on your podcast also trigger the why in life which is not an easy question and makes people uncomfortable and, you know it's not an I easy think, question at all but I think it comes down to joy yeah. I think we as human beings have a capacity for intellect, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's what sets us apart from other mammals and among other things, um, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, some with some opposable thumbs. Um, but, uh, you know, that I think a lot of people think it, it like, yeah, it's related to love, but I also think joy is, you know, at when you talk to people in, in the spiritual and wellness world, they talk about love but they also mean joy. I think that yeah. they're sort of um, synonymous in a way, you know, that um, I think it's about having experiences that light you up. And there's a question I ask everyone at the end of my show, which is what lights you up? You know, mm. what are you unwilling to compromise on in your life? Because like, what if you've had to stop eating cookies because you can't eat refined sugar anymore because it makes you flare, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So, so how are you finding, like, are you still going to eat the cookie sometimes? And what I love is that people do eat the cookie sometimes. They yeah. have it anyway, because 
at the end of the day, when you experience illness, when you lose control of your body or when you feel like your body is, um, really just deciding to work against you from the inside out, it's like Mm. a literal inside job and it ain't working when that happens to you, when you lose control of your faculties, um, you begin to realize what was important in the first place. And so it's actually yeah. a gift. Like that was the thing that happened to me. I was working myself into the ground. I didn't have boundaries. I wasn't having a ton of joy. It was sort of artificial joy. It was moments that felt like they were joyful. But when I look back on them, I feel so sad for myself. You know, so this I wasn't is before the podcast, enough. before you're doing this what is, you're doing. Now? Yeah. This okay. was before I go, this was as I was like right before I got sick and getting sick was the thing that sort of led me to the podcast just because oh, so you had this so since when have you now i i, I want to talk about that as well uh before what yeah. you said before this about this whole idea of when your own body is your is your first enemy, enemy yeah first line of attack uh, it's a very interesting way that you're looking at life because but before that bef- before you talk about this can you just tell me when it happened and sort of what what, what, yeah, what you time, were doing at that time line? yeah so okay um this was about five years ago four or okay. five years ago uh, four or five years ago, um, I was working full-time in business management and I had transitioned from a career as a full-time actor doing this job. um, Yeah. And this was like, this was a really big deal because it was a big career change for me. And when I say full-time actor, I I mean, full-time retail, (laughs) Um, (laughs) part-time actor, full-time retail, right? So I made this transition. Or were you in Hollywood, like in in, in that space? Well, I was living in LA, but I had trained in the UK. So like I'd I'd gone to school in London and had a classical theater training, you know. I didn't know Um, about this. Okay. This is interesting. Surprise. (laughs) On on episode two with Lauren Friedman, how did get into Hollywood. (laughs) Don't ask me that because I don't know. Um, (laughs) Just take a left after uh, the third exit. (laughs) Yes, something like that. The 101 to the 405. So um, basically, I had made this career shift and I was quite excited because I was like, cool, this is like, I'm finally being a grown up and like doing grown up things and having a regular job. And and then I got sick about a year and a half, two years into the job. And until then, you were absolutely fine. Like no, no health. I mean, was. So as a teenager, I'd been diagnosed with depression and anxiety, and my parents were always very supportive and Mm -hmm. very positive when it came to talking about mental health and making it a priority in one's life. Mm -hmm. So that was a great lesson to learn early on. Right after 9-11, my coping mechanism was to develop OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm. Um, So I'd had challenges with my mental health over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't until I was in my mid thirties that the physical health issues started kicking in. Now I say that they started kicking in then, but actually I think a lot of them had been happening for a long time Mm. and I just couldn't hear what my body was trying to tell me. This is the other thing. When you get a pain in your knee, you can look at it and go, that sucks. I have a pain in my knee, or you can look at it and go, thank you body for letting me know that there's something I need to fix so that I can make the pain go away. There are two ways of seeing that thing, you know? Um, and it's really hard to get to that point. Like, don't get me wrong here. Mm -hmm. That's not Mm -hmm. the perspective I had right away. I spent a long time feeling really shitty about everything and feeling sorry for myself, Mm -hmm. but eventually found a way to crawl out of that sadness. And, um, for me, that was through community, but, um, I, because I am a voice actor and a stage and television film Mm -hmm. actor, 
I had recording equipment at home, right? And when I got sick and didn't know what the hell was going on, I started reaching out on social media and saying to people like, this is what's happening with me. I think there's this thing and that thing. And I cannot tell you how many people, largely women, started coming out of the woodwork and saying to me, me too. I've had the thyroid health crisis. I've had a health crisis. One of my closest friends who I've lived with, I lived with her when we moved to Los Angeles. We lived together for a year. Yeah. she told me, and I had no idea that she had a genetic disorder, you mm. know? So it's like people living with these invisible things. At the same time, I had also been writing about period equity and women's health and hygiene. Yeah. And I was already, you know, using my soapbox to address the fact that we weren't talking enough about our periods. Yeah. And then this chronic invisible illness stuff was happening. And I was like, we're not talking enough about our periods, but we're also not talking enough about all this other shit that's going on mm. and why continue to stigmatize it and feel shame about it when there are other people like us out there, because that was the thing that made me feel the most validated was hearing from other yeah. people that they were also going through that. And I wanted to know more of these stories and that's, those were the conversations I was having. So I literally decided to hit record on them. And that's how the podcast was born about three years oh, ago. That's now. amazing. Yeah. So it's taken a while, you know, yeah. but a relatively short period of time in the scheme of yeah, I think chronic really illness. Great from, <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing that gets me is uh, this, all this you've mentioned, right? I think was, we had this sense and I'm saying all of you, me, and all the people you mentioned included had this sense of aspiring to society. And again, society, I don't know who the hell this person is, is, <laughs> is, uh, how dare they? <laughs> yeah, how dare they? They have these set of standards and they told you to be normal in all aspects, whether look normal mm-hmm. or look, um, they, their sense of a good looking normal person or a successful normal. So this normal is something which a lot of us uh, would aspire to sort of achieve in the process sort of you know, kind of putting our own inadequacies, insecurities, all these issues under the carpet, we brush it under the carpet, resulting in this idea of lack of self-worth. And just to give you context to my thing is I did this where I aspired just to be normal. I did everything, did all the sports, despite like, look, I'm going to do it. And that looks as courage. It looks as something uh, I'm strong. I can do it. I can do things that are not easy for me to do, which I think is also a great thing, which is also a great attribute is I think resilience and fighting for a better way of living your life. But if you're doing it because you want to achieve this normal that someone else has set for you, I think I did that for years. And then you would go out, I would go out partying because I have to be like the normal people, my normal friends partying. And then that way I'll get laid. I'll be, I would like this normal guy with a normal gal. Whew, 20 years of that, man, it shattered the fuck out of me. It's exhausting as fuck, isn't it? Yeah. I woke up one day and not even, it didn't happen like slam me in the face, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm just one day sitting uh, in the car being, uh, you know, fortunately not driving, but being taken to the studio where I was doing my uh, radio show. And I just start like sort of trembling, my eyes start watering. I'm like, my heart starts going up, like racing. I'm like, what the hell is happening to me? And then I he- heard about anxiety, this this strange thing that's hitting human beings. And I'm like, but it can't be me. I've overcome an eye condition. And then, you know, then I was like, shit, I have to make peace with them. I mean, the, the process started there, but multiple panic attacks, et cetera, et cetera. And then I still, I still, I still hear sometimes. Did I attach too much to my eye condition? Am I living too much in the past? And then am I using that as a crutch? And then people will be like, "Why are you depressed? I mean, it happened to you twenty years back. Get over it." I, so I've heard it all. I'm not blaming anyone here, but then you realize, fuck all of them with all due respect. <laughs> but 
it yeah. literally is your way of looking at yourself because if you don't love yourself or respect or think you are worth it then you're not going to respect anything or anyone around you or in life and when i had that realization uh, which happened uh, not to not not too long back <laughs> i think yeah. it gives you this yeah and it's not foolproof sense. either right not at all it, like it back. doesn't yeah. always yeah. yeah you you fall back into old patterns Absolutely. and like that, that's going to happen all the time. It's part of understanding that we're but, always going to be. You know, it's a beautiful change. thing. My cousin told me this. If if it happened nine times out of 10 where you would snap at someone or you would get aggressively drunk and say shit. Uh, but once you're in this place where you're aware of what you're feeling and why you're doing things and if your self-worth starts slowly getting better out of nine times out of 10, then it slowly drops to eight times out of 10. So you're doing two yeah. two times out of 10, you're not doing it. And that's how it is. And I just want to say this because I, I it really made a difference when I spoke to this lady, she sort of is a, um, a yoga practitioner. She's a person who teaches chakra healing in Goa. She sits there and she had a lot of life-changing events that led to where she is today. But she said this really nice thing. The reason I bring it up is because she said, anything in the, in the body or the mind starts as a vibration. Uh, now that vibration sort of builds up into a thought, a thought builds up into, the, and maybe I've skipped like 13,000 processes, but that's pretty much what I got from her. There's a vibration, it all starts with that. And when you mentioned about, mentioned about how things manifest later with you just did life, you just did your business uh, management job, you did uh, your acting course and hundreds of thousands of other people are just doing. And all those vibrations, which are negative in some case, which may not be the healthiest for you, they don't happen, oh, it's a bad vibration right now, I have fever in two hours. These things take time, and in my case, 20 years, to realize that, shit, why am I aspiring to be this normal, which I can never be, and as a result, I'm crushing who I think I am and looking at myself as a worthless piece of shit, you know? Yeah, it's it's a really complicated one, right? You know, yeah. because our humanity is not simple mm. and um, we're constantly learning new things and adjusting behaviors and um, curiosity is what gets us there. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, yeah, I really, I agree. It's like, I also didn't tell you, I forgot to tell you, I also have two sleep disorders that I've now been diagnosed with, which has been really fun from the normal perspective, because oh, I can't tell oh. you how many people have told me, but you can just make yourself a morning person. And I literally mm. can't because I literally have these disorders. Right. But you know, it's, it's so the wait, kind of you, thing. You can't sleep or you, you sleep excessively. What is the disorder? Sorry. Well, it depends on the day, but I have oh, these so two disorders. One, no, it isn't always fixed, except the thing that is fixed is that I'm constantly tired. I'm constantly fatigued. Oh. And it's not like, oh, yeah, I get tired, too. It's not that. And don't yeah. say that to people who have sleep disorders. You know, people always want to chime in nowadays. Like, yeah, I'm disabled, yeah. too. You know, I, I, well, I'm yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm real tired from work. Well, you know what? I'm tired from being awake. I'm not tired from work. I'm tired from being here. Okay? It's such a level of tiredness that... Yeah, I mean, but how do you tell someone? Because everyone now is like, no, you don't know. Like, I'll tell you about this after you tell me your thing because someone said something really hilarious. I, I, I've done it on my special, but I, I need to tell you this to get your reaction. But please finish your, okay. what you're saying. Oh, well, the, the short story is that I have um, obstructive sleep apnea, which means that I stop breathing in my sleep. Ooh, right? So I have oh to God. wear a machine over my head, which is super sexy. <laughs> it's nice. great for dating. Nice. Um, yeah. Although pandemic times have made it a, a breeze, right? But like, it's this, <laughs> Wait, I have this to wear this whole Like a, a machine that sort of uh, pushes oxygen into your lungs? Is that the machine? Yes, it's called a CPAP. Right. And it, I, I it pushes oxygen so that, yes, so that I don't stop breathing in my sleep. So, which can, if, if that happens, it can create major problems with your heart. 
essentially. No, so your heart and your you lungs. is it, because I I know a couple of people who've gone through this uh, monitored sleep in the hospital overnight to see why it's happening. I a did friend that. Of mine. It was horrible. Horrible, right? I mean, be, because someone's watching you sleep, or it's not that so much as how clinical the whole thing is. Because ah. how are you supposed to be able to? sleep when you have uh, all these wires sticking out of you in an unfamiliar environment that's super sterile and cold and yeah. you know there's nothing there's nothing about it that induces sleepiness so like already it's a challenge to yeah. rest and there's bright lights everywhere so uh, i recently had one of those studies where i had right. to stay in the hospital overnight and have that horrible experience and it was during the covid pandemic too so i was like even more scared of yeah. all the germs right um and uh, I, from that study, was diagnosed with something called idiopathic hypersomnia, which is a clinical diagnosis for yeah. just being really tired all the time. Oh, there's okay. no like sleep science is a relatively new science, so mm. there's still so much that we have to learn. It used to be a branch of psychology, interestingly, mm. but now it is its own branch of medicine. And many people come from pulmonology, which is the study of the lungs, into yeah. sleep rather than from psychology into sleep. Um, but the the two are very closely related, the psychology and the sleep pieces. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I've tried a bunch of different things and I'm now on sort of the, the drugless interventions stage of trying to sort this out. But I'm sort yeah, of I was going to ask, is cannabis like, or CBD or hemp going to help? Well, it makes you tired usually if you have it at higher doses. And my problem is less the, the needing to feel tired and more <laughs> yeah. the needing to feel awake. And but, rest when you can feel tired. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, you know, at one point prescribed a stimulant and that made me have panic attacks that I haven't had in years. And oh, it, God. It, it, that's not fun. Um, yeah. And it made me paranoid and stuff. And like, you know, realizing that it was having the psychological effect, I was like, mm. cool. So we're not doing stimulants. So let's try something else. Yeah. So really it's now about managing my lifestyle. And like when I need to take a nap, I need to take a fucking nap. Yeah. You know? That's good. No, good naps are so, very good. But you learn, you learn your, your sort of limits a little bit differently, Yeah, I think right? medication is this thing, which is, it's coming to India, it's come to India, where a lot of people, it's a school of thought in Europe, in America, where you just, if you're not feeling good, just take a medicine. Like if you're not thinking, take an aspirin, just pop an aspirin, take an Advil. I'm like, no, you don't need medicine How if you have a hangover. How about change your life? Yeah, or if drink water if you have a hangover. Get, I mean, I yeah. take Advil, I know, but, but if it's really unbearable, but for everything and anything, or you have uh, anxiety, take Ciprolex. Of course, people who do need medication, do take medication. Don't listen to Sandeep Brown, the Soapy Rao shows. He's a well, medication. Some medication is great. Some Absolutely. of it isn't. And but it really depends anything, on the person. Everything. Yeah. And over here, we over also medication have the sick pricing. people, you know? Over-medication absolutely causes sick people. I literally just this week aired an episode of my show where one of the people has, he was diagnosed with a terminal lung disease as a oh result of chemotherapy treatment for cancer. It's like, oh God. you know, when things like that happen, look, it was important that he had the chemo, you know, yeah, of course, but, but some of these medications can have some really bad side effects. Um, it mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they're not life-saving drugs sometimes too, but you really have to do your research. Yeah. We're not encouraged to do independent research or to learn critical thinking mm -hmm. to even like, I mean, look at all this stuff about the COVID vaccines. I, yeah, if I have to field one more question about the efficacy and safety of these things, when there are hundreds of studies that uh, prove the safety so Lauren, Can you take the vaccine? Yes. And in fact, I was encouraged to do so. And okay, great. You know, okay. now we're looking at, do I need to take a booster shot? So I don't so know. You've yet, got a shot done already. You've taken a shot. I've had both. I've had both 
vaccines of I had Moderna. Um, oh, it's it's a double it's a double dose vaccine like uh, Covid yeah. Shield, like what I've taken here. Okay, okay. Yes, yeah. Okay, no, no, because it's some of these people, right? And and I don't. It's sadly that they end up uh, in my in 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 the case of India, they end up living in Goa on the beach, and they they kind of uh, smoke pot. So people are like, oh, these these hippies. I'm like, no, but it sounds uh, like a life. <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah, and they, they're the ones who are like these anti-vaccine people. I'm like, dude, it's. And I spoke to this person uh, about it. He said, see, we work with the data and that's how vaccines are made. It's not that Bill Gates gave us semen and said, Pro propagate this in the people, right? <laughs> and it's, I think he's got better shit, more money to make, right? Or yeah. to sort out his marital status or his personal life to worry oh, about knows? infecting. Yeah, but it's so, I mean, I'm like, I, <clears throat> why does it have to be a big hoo-ha, right? Like the point is, we're not going to take it, sit in your forest, do what you have to, but don't come and threaten people who are vulnerable, who are older, who are... This is my uh, issue. Yeah. This is my no, issue with even it. Even with it, your you case, know? you're not older or anything like that, but you are at risk when these morons are running around saying, no vaccine without a mask, acting like fools, and they don't even stay away. They come in your face. They're like, take a vaccine. I mean, I'm not, I'm against, I'm like, dude, stop, stop spraying that shit in my face, right? I mean, that said though, yeah. like I've got friends whose systems are so sensitive that they can't be vaccinated. So the people who right. are willingly unvaccinated, yeah. you know, because they think that they're going to get a tracker placed in their bloodstream. If they I mean, get honestly, the, I feel like you know, they're not that important. They're really not that important for people to track. Yeah, but like, they're yeah. right. But, but it's also like, excuse me, about whether or not they're going to get the vaccine based on their health, because some people could have their health adversely affected to the point of it not being worth getting a vaccine for them. Right. But Absolutely. the people who are willingly choosing not to, because they believe in conspiracy theories is like a different problem. And it's connects back to this American individualism thing. And this not listening to other people thing, and this not being in community with other people thing. And then when you talk about the masking and the anti-maskers, just wear a fucking mask. I haven't got time for it anymore. Yeah. Just wear a mask. And you know, <laughs> from all this, you're telling me, it doesn't sound like individualism or any of these concepts it just sounds like selfish people who are spoiled and going i don't want to give up my gun i don't want to wear a mask like fuck you you know you just sound like you sound well, like a spoiled yeah. child and they're not you thinking wanna, about their communities they're not thinking full stop they're not thinking at all they just are like you know what i'm american and it's sad that it's american because i think there are some great american people including you i have some really really good friends as well and i think there's so many good americans out there doing good work you can't just generalize a country or a group but i think when people are like you know i'm american and i can do it. i'm like dude shut up it's not it's a bad luck it's yeah, and don't luck. drop your country or the people who are so many good people out there, like India, like when, when you see some moronic Indians saying things like, I'm Indian and Muslims are bad, or I'm Indian and Pakistan, mm -hmm. I'm like, shut up, dude, don't speak for all of us because you're a fool. You know what I mean? And but it's also a fool who believes that that one person speaks for everyone. Yeah, it goes absolutely. both ways. Absolutely. I think it's the receptor and the, the disseminator. But yeah. Um, I just had to use uh, but words. that's critical thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's what critical thinking looks like, right? It's it's being able to look at that and go, well, look, that person doesn't represent everyone. Absolutely. But when more and more people start spouting that same rubbish, people are like, Am I the wrong one? And it takes a lot of um I wouldn't say courage, but it takes it takes it takes some thinking and it takes some balls. Uh, or whatever your choice of uh, appendage is. Ovaries <laughs> to, for yeah. me, ovaries. <laughs> <laughs> to say, you know what? They might think that and anything, like whether it's doing a podcast, whether it's releasing a show in a different format. Well, everyone might be doing a web series, but everyone may be doing this sport, but I'm going to sit this one out. I think that takes a lot. Saying no is yeah. one of the most powerful things that I have learned in the last few years. Man, I'm, I'm It's the power of 
that that complete sentence, that NO is a complete sentence. I say that in conversation, like, you know, but in practice, it's it's hard. I, I have to challenge myself a lot, you know, but especially yeah. as a woman, because I've been conditioned to say yes to everything and roll over, right. you know, um, but this idea of saying no and preserving one's energy, which becomes so much more precious when you have less of it because you're chronically ill, um, you know, that learning curve for me has been one of the most valuable in this experience of, of like losing my health and mm. fighting my way back to it. You know, that, that sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself is not go to that party mm. or not listen to the person who thinks not wearing a mask is a great idea or, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. you know, like whatever it is for you, but like, you know, or like not take that business deal because it's actually going to be too much work for you or, you know, yeah. like not encourage that person's destructive behavior, whatever it mm. is, not encourage your own destructive behavior. Don't take you those know, inputs I, which you don't need. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's about like being more selective about where we put our energies, being more intentional about where, where we're using our energies. And yeah. that's what real self-care looks like. Me. You know, we don't have to travel, walk 50 kilometers or five kilometers every morning to get fresh water. So the fact is, we have we have an opposite problem where we have too much to select from. And I think this thing not you everyone said, has that problem. It's a great problem to have. It's a great problem to have. I think a lot of people have. I think um, other much more severe problems. But I'm saying this thing of saying no uh, for people who have this issue of trying to please constantly be validated by pleasing. I think it's a very very powerful tool. And and yeah. um, while you say are saying no to a lot of things. I'm glad you said um, yes to being on this podcast, Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Thank yeah, you for that. inviting me on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, honestly, I, I'm not going to patronize you by saying things because I know, and you know, more importantly, the great work you're doing. So, um, you know, mm -hmm. all the best with everything going forward. I, you know, I really hope, I don't know if it's a fantastical claim, but I really hope that, you find a space of um, within you know your life which is comfortable, which is not constantly going to the doctor. I hope you find a good space, and if you're already there, I hope that continues. And I'm nearly there, man. I'm so amazing. close right now. I'm so so close. So and yeah, yeah, we're getting there. That's amazing to hear. And I you know keep up the great work and keep up your Thank amazing you, attitude. Yeah. And again, uh, on behalf of all my listeners, uh, thanks for being on the episode. Oh, it's, it's always such a joy to talk to you, Sandeep. And I, I feel like when I have these conversations, first of all, when you start podcasting, you lose the ability to not have a deep conversation, right? Like we don't yeah. do small talk anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. when you, when you and I met, we were like straight in. <laughs> yeah. That was, but, I was like, wow, I just heard about this person from, and, and it wasn't like a, a mutual friend, anyone. I think someone, you know, diversity. Yeah. A Facebook page. I think, uh, who's the person who posted? I, Tiffany posted. U. Yes. Yes. Tiffany U. Who's and also an amazing, amazing advocate in this community. She seems amazing because her story yeah. and, uh, what she's going through right now, I think it was at the time of the shootings in Atlanta. So she was pretty shaken up and she couldn't talk. So she said, I'm going to introduce, introduce you to some other people. I'm a, a part of, uh, in the group I'm a part of. And then you emailed me and I was like, okay, let's get on a call. And next thing I was like, wow, it's, it's so nice to connect, literally connect. I'm not saying over a zoom call, but connect on a much more deeper, um, level. deeper level with someone I just spoke to. And for people who haven't had the chance to hear your podcast or follow, if they want to follow the work that you do, where can they check out the podcast? 
or your profiles. Can you just drop oh, that on thank this? Thank you. That's very kind of you. So I'm across social media at uninvisiblepod. Okay. And uh, my website is uninvisiblepod.com. So you can find me all over the place with that Fantastic. stuff. And I'll there will be an episode. Yeah, thank you. And there will be an episode coming up featuring your favorite host of this show, Sophie Rao. <laughs> um, so Sandeep will be on the show soon where I'm waiting to schedule it because I had to say no to a whole bunch of interviews and cancel a whole bunch of them because I had a health crisis earlier this year and I had to focus on healing. And okay. so- But you're better now, as you schedule. said. A lot better now. Ah, and I, I mean, do you know what I think it is? I think it's like waking up every day and, and choosing to keep healing. You know, and like That's some nice. days you lean into it. Some days I lean into it and I wake up because I'm like, I, I just can't today. I'm too tired. And I just yeah. sleep and I rest and I do what I have to do. Yeah. I also recognize that I've been able to set myself up with a certain amount of comfort in my lifestyle. Right. And that's, that's great. like that's my great fortune. Right. Is that I have that flexibility. But mm. um, I know that not everyone has that. And that's why these stories are more important than ever to me um, to be able to remind people that they are not alone. And it's not just about this disability and chronic illness shit. It's also about a lot of other shit. So yeah, there's um, a lot of shit to choose from in today's day and age. I'm glad that we have so much a bouquet yeah. of shit. <laughs> yeah. Like we have a few volumes to choose from, I yeah. think at this point, yeah. it's like Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Britannica 2021. Absolutely. Different shapes and sizes, flavors, whatever you want. We have it. <laughs> it's yes, a rich world. Exactly. We live in. But yeah, it's amazing. But, um, to hear. But truly, yeah, thank you for having me. I, I think healing is such a great thing, you know, and I just, uh, just want to say, yeah. just remember the vibrations. It all starts there. It doesn't have to happen today or tomorrow, but it starts with the intent. If those vibrations are good or if they're healthy for you, uh, I think you just have to sit back and enjoy the ride. I think you need to play us out with good vibrations by the Beach Boys. <laughs> I don't. I, this is a privately done podcast. I don't have a copyright to playing the Beach Boys. We don't have the rights. We don't have the rights, but you know. Well, I can get we a could. cover made by by a friend of mine called Bitch Boys, and we can go out on that note. <laughs> Perfect. Or we could sing a little for them. <laughs> Let's do that, Lauren. I'll leave it to the actor to do it. Not, not. <laughs> don't leave it to me. <laughs> but thank you but, so no, much. Truly, it's such an honor to to chat with you as always, and like just to share energy with you because like it's not always easy every day to wake up and do this work. Work, but having mm. these conversations with people who remind you how important this work is, is extremely validating. And it reinforces, you know, continuing to focus on the good stuff and to like, yeah. be the good person you want to be every day when you wake up because you have a new opportunity to be you every day. So yeah, hey, thank you. For amazing. Thank you that. for those kind words. And anytime you feel anything, just I'm always here. Just if you need a reminder, don't go on social media, just message me. But um, he's the best. You. you guys should all be friends with Sandeep. <laughs> no, I'm just about five left on my Facebook. No. <laughs> well, this is so I'm I'm trying to set you up so you can start saying no a lot more. <laughs> oh yeah, that's no, no, no. Yeah, that's I, I don't uh, I don't think I've reached that place yet where I can say no. But I think I can say maybe, which is not bad. I think it's mm -hmm. not bad yet. But uh, Lauren, appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch up soon. And thank you so much. Thank you, Sandeep. It's been such a pleasure, and I can't wait to chat again soon. Talk soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.
Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.